Lots to talk about in the North Shore Drive podcast on, on the Monday episode. We're going to talk with Ray Fittipato about what's the ideal situation and what might the Steelers need to do to be aggressive in the first round to get the player that they absolutely need to add to their roster. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Pirates weekend splitting with the Cardinals and how they get set up as they head to the Colorado Rockies and their record at this point. We'll also talk about the search to replace Ron Hextel and Brian Burke, replacing the entire new Pet Penguins front office. All that and more on an action-packed North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and we are here as always Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on our YouTube page or our, our podcasting platforms, giving you all our insights on Pittsburgh sports. As always, this show comes uh, this show comes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but we also have daily content that comes out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Check us out on our platforms. We're joined by Ray Fittipaldo, one of our great Steelers beat writers at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, um, another weekend down. We talked with Brian Last at the end of last week about Bud Dupree not being with the Steelers, but then Brian wrote up is writing up, uh, you know, kind of a series leading into the NFL draft. The NFL draft is less than two weeks away now, um, with it starting on Thursday the twenty seventh. Uh, now, this he his the first thing that he wrote that went up Monday morning was an ideal situation that worked out for the Steelers as far as you know the players that they need to fall and kind of talking about like the likelihood and where guys would have to fit in certain situations. Um, one thing that ha- that happens in his in his list, and you can go check it out at post gazette.com Five quarterbacks come off the board, including Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback who got injured at the end of the year, um, including a running back in Bijan Robinson. Um, also, players more more defensive line players and edge rushers came off the board. Uh, Nolan Smith went out went at twelve. Kalijah Cansey went at thirteen. Um, also had two tight ends going before beforehand. I, Brian's not writing that this is definitely how it's going to happen, but the likelihood of in this situation, there are – he has, I think, eight players that the Steelers could select at that point that would be good fits for that 17. An offensive tackle, that's four guys at Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State, Broderick Jones out of Georgia, Peter Skronsky out of Northwestern, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, and then at corner you have Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., Devin Witherspoon, and then defensive lineman Brian Brise, uh, Brian Branch of Alabama, the safety, and then, of course, Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Out of those, out of all those names I just named there, Ray, who do you think are, are, are the most realistic names the Steel- that might actually fall to the Steelers in that spot? Yeah, well, that's a good question. That you know, what Brian does is, is the best case scenario, and right. that, that certainly would be um, uh, a great situation for the Steelers. The guys m- most likely to fall. I don't think Skaronsky's going to fall that that much. I, I think he's too good of a player, um, whether he's a guard or a tackle. Um, you know, the offensive tackles after Skaronsky are interesting. Um, I don't think all three of them will be there at seventeen, but. There's a chance Wright, Jones, or Johnson could be. Um, I'm going to go with Broderick Jones or Del- Darnell Wright. I hate to pick two, Chris, but I think yeah. one of those two guys, if they're there, I think that would be a great pick for the Steelers. And then in that situation that we just talked about, if all those corners are there at 17, 
boom, you go get yourself a corner of 32 because you know that second tier um, is going to be there early in the second round. So, yeah, for me, I you know, I think probably Broderick Jones has the best chance of being there. But even still, you know, I, I know a lot of people are high on him. And, uh, you know, he's usually going somewhere between, you know, 10 and 17. He's been mocked to the Steelers a lot here recently. I know you follow mm. those mock drafts or multiple people putting Jones with the Steelers. So he's usually in that range, like 10 or 12 to 17. So I'll, I'll say Broderick Jones is the most likely to fall on draft day. That would be very interesting because Broderick Jones, in my eyes, when I watch him on tape, Ray, I get excited watching him. I'm like, man, he's going to maul somebody. And if the Steelers got Broderick Jones without even budging, like that's the other thing. We've been talking about them trading up, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, but if, if if they didn't have to trade up and they still got one of these premier offensive tackles that comes in on the offensive line and probably gives them a boost, that's such a win in my eyes for, for, for this front office to not have to give up capital to get a player like that. And then you still have three more picks in the top 80 to go and get, you know, more players to fit in different spots. Man, I, I just – I think – even if it's just Broderick Jones who falls to 17, that's a that's a, a, a dream scenario for the Steelers. I agree. You know, Darnell Wright is a guy who's worked his way off draft boards. I know Daniel Jeremiah believes he might end up being the top offensive tackle um, mm. in this draft. So, um, you know, a lot of these guys' position flexibility um, is a big thing. That's why I think Skaronsky is so high. You could use him as a tackle. Use, you can use him as a excuse me as a guard, but you know a guy like Wright with him on the come, you know at least four quarterbacks are going to be taken before you pick. Yeah, and at you least start four. adding up. You start adding up. You know the the Jalen Carters, the um, the other defensive, you know the edge guys who are going to go. Will Anderson. You start doing the math, and there's a there's a chance that an offensive tackle could be there. So like I said, whether it's Darnell Wright or Broderick Jones. Um, um, if that happens, I think it'd be good for the Steelers. To be honest with you, I thought all those guys were going to be off the board um, before they picked, probably a month ago. But now with the emergence of Darnell Wright, you know, being in the conversation, you know, another guy who's possibly on the Steelers' radar. So that's uh, you know that's something to think about here. What are we now? Ten, eleven days away from the draft. It certainly is. Another thing to think about is still the possibility of trading up, but maybe not for even one of those names. Uh, Peter King wrote wrote this on the morning, and we've we've heard the you know the rumors and the rumbles that the Steelers have at least talked to the Bears about trading up for the ninth overall pick. Uh, Peter King kind of put that together and said, you know, if Jalen Carter falls down enough, that's the perfect Pittsburgh Steeler pick. Now I'll say this, and all respect to Peter King, I think Jalen Carter would be a perfect pick for a lot of teams that went you know at the at the bottom of the top ten. Uh, but certainly you wrote this about the Steelers. There is a need to make a major investment to the defensive line. Well, yes, Cam Hayward's going to still be there and, you know, expect to be very good. Larry Ogunjobi's there. Um, they've added to Marvin Leal and they've brought in some free agents here and there. They need the core, uh, the, the new core of this defensive line to start to being built. And, you know, we talked, we talked about this a little bit this year. We've talked about you know, the potential of Lucas Van Ness as a guy who's played on the edge, but also helped on the inside, um, you know, guys like Brian Brzee. But a Jalen Carter trade-up would, I think, change everything about this draft class and what we even thought was possible for the Steelers. Yeah, absolutely. And if you would do that, if you have to move up eight spots um... – you know, it's not going to be cheap. So no. you have to figure, okay, we're getting Jalen Carter at number nine overall. We're also trading 17 and what, maybe 
32 to make that move, maybe 49. Maybe. You're, you're trading at least those, 49. Yeah, you're trading at least one of those second-round picks. So then you would have to use one second-round pick on a corner. Yeah. Um, hey, maybe you don't go offensive line this year. I happen to think they will. But some of these needs aren't going to be fulfilled if you if you move up in the draft. If you trade away your first-round pick and a second-round pick, um, I mean, just look at it, Chris. Yeah. O-line, D-line, corner, um, edge now that Bud Dupree got away. It's a real need. Number five, receiver, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's not a top four need, but I would say re- receiver is next in line after O-line, D-line, corner, and, and edge. So um, if you do that, then you're going to have to sign some free agents, some guys who are still out there and maybe be happy with that. I mean, that, that's all part of – doing business on draft day. You know, it's a risk. You want to go up and get a guy. You think a guy could be a special player. Boom, you do that. But also we've been talking about all this draft capital for what, three months now. A lot of that's going to go out the window if you make a move like that. I agree. It's going to be risky. The, the one thing I think that I could see them doing, I don't know about trading up to nine, but if they wanted to trade up at all, if they traded 17 and 49 to move up and then use 32 to trade down and then recoup an extra day two pick, that would be something I could see being feasible. But like you said, right. it's never that easy on draft day. There's a million pieces moving at a million miles an hour. There's teams battling for each pick and you know sending in what their trade offers would be. So it's all about finding the right partners. But even if Jalen Carter's not the pick in the first round, there's guys who I think could still either fall to 17 or even be good picks in the second round. You know, We talked about Brian Brzee at Clemson. There's Mazai Smith out of Michigan. I love Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. I think if they got him in the second round, that'd be a perfect fit for what they're looking for on the interior. I think he's a big bruiser type of guy that would pair well with the Marvin Leal. Uh, and then even later, if you went if you went and gotten Gervin Dexter uh, from Florida, uh, I, I think there's there's definitely guys in this draft that you can get in the later rounds and not necessarily have to be aggress- that aggressive and going and getting Jalen Carter at ninth, ninth overall. I agree with you. And uh, Siaki Ika was in for a visit too. Yes, I know, was. you know, there, there's a lot of debate about nose tackles today and how much he would actually be able to play in the Steelers system or really for any NFL team, the, the, the way teams – throw the ball um, right now, but you're right. You know, guys, you know, I think Mozzie Smith is moving up a little bit. You hear more, some more talk about him early in the second round, more so than mid-second round, but Benton, um, Ika, um, you know, I think Brzee will be early second round too or late first round. So, yeah, I mean, those are the types of names you'll be talking about um, for the Steelers if you get into round two and you're still looking for a defensive lineman. And they, they've had a lot of those guys in. They also had Benton in, in addition to Ika. So, um, there might be a little bit of smoke there. Could be. We'll keep all things tapped here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks again, Ray, for all your insights on the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we got to switch topics because the Pirates had, had had their series with the Cardinals. They split it, and now they're headed to the Rockies, who are last place in the NL West. Could we see the Pirates make a surge here? And who has been stepping up in the place of O'Neill Cruz? Well, all that and more right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, I want to tell you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co, where buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime gives you a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your events, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater, or anything near you. They're going to give you killer deals on last-minute tickets, and they have their best price guarantee that you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're about to have. The GameTime app allows you 
you to book tickets at the last minute if you didn't plan that far out in advance. Don't know about you guys, but that happens to me a lot where sometimes I'm just I'm just run, ripping and running and I'm like, oh man, I missed that this event was happening and it's today or tomorrow. But the, here's where game time comes in. They give you exclusive flash deals on all tickets, whether it's a football game, a basketball game, a baseball game, concerts, comedy shows, all those different types of events. They have it there. And the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less on another another place, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, gametime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PIT for all for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're joined today by Jason Mackey, who's out on the road right now. Now, as you're listening to this, he's probably in Colorado by, by that time. But we're recording with him early on Sunday uh, because I wanted to get to talk with him while he was still in St. Louis after the series. The Pirates lost Sunday 5-4, to four, splitting the four-game series with the Cardinals. But... This was they're, they're still they're still trending trending upwards. I'd say they're nine and seven as it stands right now. Still, I think ahead of where a lot of people might have given them credit for. Um, let's talk about the game before we get into some other things. What happened in this in this game, Jason? It seemed like the Pirates they had their moments where they had the leads and they just lost them at the wrong times. Yeah, they did. It was a close one, Chris. And I, I look at this thinking stuff like this is going to happen, right? Like Lars Newtbar hit a, a Mitch Keller pitch. I believe it was a cutter. Puts it out. Puts a good swing on it. So what? Happens 3-3. Three, three. Um, you know, they get to extra innings and Will Crow gives up a hit. Um, you know, I, I don't have a huge problem with it, right? Like Tommy Edmond takes an outside changeup up the middle past the drawn-in infield. It's going to happen. Uh, you don't want to walk Wilson Contreras and whatever. But, like, I sort of came down on this one thinking – we can split hairs about the minutiae and go through and, and parse. Should have done this. Shouldn't have done this. This was bad. This wasn't bad. What it tells me is we're talking about a reasonably competitive baseball game against the team that was supposed to win this division. And you're talking about the opportunity was there to take three or four from them because you got starting pitching, because you got enough offense. We're not looking at these Pirates to win the NL Central. But right now they're competitive and playing a decent brand of baseball to the point where we can sort of like nitpick a little bit and so the stuff that happens. So, again, I, I'm just pointing it out, but I don't think it's like the uh, – I don't think it's the game story, so to speak. No, I, I, I agree. Again, I think anyone you – know, I, I covered basketball all season long. When Towards the end of the season, we were talking about them having a potential to win the ACC regular season crown, and when they missed it, people saying, oh, this is such a disappointment. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That, that team you thought was going to finish dead last in the, in, the, in the conference, I think it's very similar with the Pirates right now. Granted, we're very early in their season, but still 
they have a winning record right now, and they're, and, and they're putting up a good fight, even in a lot, a lot of these losses that we're seeing. Um, but let's let's dive into something else here. Rodolfo, Rodolfo Castro went one of four uh, in this in this last game, but he's been filling in for Victor, uh, excuse me, O'Neill Cruz. I keep Cruz. doing that. Uh, O'Neill Cruz. <laughs> uh, uh, that's my football brain just go, just goes into work, man. But um, he's been filling in for O'Neill Cruz's injury, and you did a great story on him and what he's been doing to replace such a big name in the Pirates uh, Pirates lineup. Yeah, so he and G1 Bay, meaning Rodolfo Castro, are probably closest to O'Neill Cruz out of this group. Um, it's just always been that way. I covered those guys when they were in Altoona, um, and they're just they're they're good friends. And so I talked to G1 Bay about this, and Bay said like he and Castro watched them sort of wheel O'Neill Cruz out. I, I'm guessing it was on a wheelchair cart or something like that when he suffered his injury, and they were both pretty broken up about it. Uh, Castro, we talked to him that night. He was disconsolate. Um, sorry, that's a big word a bigger word he was sad he was upset um shelton would find me for that there's like a back and forth thing with big <laughs> words on the baseball beat i shouldn't say okay so anyway um you know he's he's been broken up right like his best friends yeah. out for a long long time and so the, the most direct replacement right now and the most logical replacement is castro he's not a natural shortstop he's a second baseman or a third baseman we saw that with some of the defense early on chris it wasn't great but dude's been hitting had another hit today. I think that extends the hitting streak to something like six games. He came into this thing hitting like 500 over his past seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, the offense has been there. And so you can kind of live with the defense if the dude's producing offensively. I do think there's something to it where he he wants to take O'Neal's spot and, like, keep it warm for him. Um, I know in, in the radio show, uh, Brian Stroh filled in for Ben Charrington. He's a, basically the senior vice president of base, baseball operations, I think is his title. But he said, like, yeah, they're going to be running with Castro. You know, we'll sort of wait and see and see how this goes. But right now, man, Castro's looked good and he deserves credit. No, he certainly does. He's hitting three thirty three right now. I mean, that's ridiculous. And I know that it's just, it's a small sample size. What do you think is the outlook for how they'll be able to maintain not having O'Neill Cruz? Because, again, this is a short span. But, you know, baseball being a long season, oftentimes there's regressions to the to the mean. Or is this the mean, what we're seeing them and how they're competing right now? Well, this is where I come down on that stuff, Chris. I, I thought when Cruz went down, they really needed somebody to step up and, and provide some thump in the order, preferably a left-handed hitter. That'd be great. And I looked at guys like G-Man Choi, Jack Sawinski. Um, I still feel that way. Now, obviously, G-Man Choi is crossed off the list, um, has an ankle thing, went on the IL. It's going to be a little bit for him. Okay, great time for Jack Sawinski to step up. And if it's not Jack, you need to start turning over rocks and looking at guys. And I don't care who it is. Um, you know, Travis Swaggerty has been somebody people have been calling for. Great. I, I would not mind seeing what he can do. Um, I know it's extreme, but like Malcolm Nunez um, hit a grand slam today in AAA. I, again, I'm not saying I'd promote Malcolm Nunez. I'm just saying like literally anybody <laughs> I got you. hitting and producing, I want to give a look to, right? It should just be an open competition for, for power numbers. I, I, Anyway, that's how I see them going, and I see them playing a little different brand of baseball. I think we kind of saw that in the St. Louis series. They're not going to score a ton of runs. You know, best-case scenario, this offense finishes, I don't know, 21st, 22nd, 23rd. They need to pitch it, and they've pitched it really well. Their starting pitching has been outstanding. Just because they lost today in extra innings, I wouldn't say their bullpen has been bad, but if they're getting this kind of pitching, they're going to stay competitive. I, I, I hear that. 
let's talk about what they got coming up. After they they have been five hundred since the uh, since the sweep of the Red Sox when it win loss win loss the whole way there. But now they're on the road facing the Colorado Rockies, who are five and eleven and dead last in the NL West. What is your look into how this series is, is going to play out? They've got three games out there in Colorado. I'm worried about tomorrow, Chris. I am, or maybe mm. today, for people watching this. I don't know when it's going to go. Kyle Freeland starts for the Rockies, and he has owned the Pirates. He's been really mm. good against them. Um, I think an ERA under two or under two or three over his past four starts. He leads the National League in ERA so far. I mean, he's going to be a tough matchup for them. I also think it's going to be a really interesting start for the Pirates, at least on Monday. Rich Hill gets the ball, and he was better um, his last time out, certainly, but those first two starts were not good. Rich beat himself up pretty good. Some balls sailed on him. Um, it, it sort of a you know can tilt either way, right? Like the Pirates would have liked to get this one. They're going to be kind of down if they get shellacked in in Denver. So you don't want that to happen. Johan Oviedo is going to go that that last day. I, I think the second two games of the series are winnable, um, especially that third one because of Oviedo going. But I don't know how to feel about tomorrow. I don't love the possibility of Rich Hill plus Kyle Freeland in Coors Field. I understand I understand that. And, hey, the Pirates, they've been able to surprise a few times. We'll see how they keep surprises. We'll keep checking up with you, Jason, right here in the North Shore Drive podcast as you continue on, on your travel. Stay safe out there. Thank you, everyone, for checking in with us. We'll be right back. we got to talk some Penguins talk, too, because – there's that search for the new for the new front office and putting things together and how things look now that the season is over and that the NHL playoffs are moving on without the Penguins for the first time in a long time. We'll be back here on the North Shore Drive talking Penguins right after this. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm your host Chris Carter. We switched to Penguins where we talked to Matt Benzel and Matt. The last time we talked was Friday, and when we did, we recorded early in the morning, and you noted, hey, this firing of Hextall and Burke could happen any minute now. It's certain, it's, it's, and sure enough, about like minutes after our video was posted, it happened, and you had to go into full work covering the situation. So the thing that Penguins fans were hoping for, that were cheering to fire or, or chanting to fire fire Hextall, that, is, that has happened. Brian Burke barks out. Um, and the front office has been cleaned out. But now the Penguins start their search. You any like initial notes on what the Penguins search is going to be like? Sure. I mean, from what we know about Fairway Sports Group and how they filled these sorts of positions, uh, you know, with the Red Sox, um, you know, Premier League, they they move fast. They're going to be thorough. They're going to think outside the box. And analytics uh, are going to be something that's important. You know, I don't know if they're going to pick someone who's strictly an analytics person to lead the charge, but I do know they're building out their analytics staff. So whoever, uh, and they could make, they're probably going to make multiple hires here, uh, but whoever they hire is at least going to have to be, um, you know, receptive, uh, embrace analytics. So, and it could be a man or a woman. And I know that's one thing that Dave Beeson said. He made a point like he or she um, when talking about who he was hiring. And, and, and also, Maybe they go outside hockey as well. So I, I, everything I just said kind of speaks to how wide of a net they're going to cast here, but they're going to cast a wide net. They're going to hone in pretty quickly. And, you know, I, I think they're looking, you know, they, they said they don't want to pick the wrong person. You know, they're going to have to rush and, and hopefully make a bad hire, but they do say they want to move fairly quickly. When you when you talk about that speed and that, and that quickly, what kind of a span are we looking at here? A month, a couple weeks? Is this something that, that's just kind of resolved by, before, like, 
uh, before we even get finished the NHL playoffs? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, this is a pure guess, but I, I think just kind of like looking at how these searches typically go, I'd say probably two to three weeks. Two or three weeks. All right. So that is going to be a really quick turnaround. Because it's not like this came out of nowhere. I mean, they they knew, you know, the writing right. was on the wall, um, and they probably um, started to get their list together um, a couple of weeks ago, you would think. How much do the do the Penguins, you know, will, this, will, the, will the ownership group kind of consult the players? Is this all of them? They're are like, are they, are they talk to Sidney Crosby, or are they making pretty making the decisions that hey, this is what we see, and this is how we're gonna move forward with this front office? Yeah, I mean, they might they may bounce some ideas off of, of Sid in particular just to see what he thinks. But you know, this isn't a scenario where they're going to go to him and be like, who do you want to be the GM? And also, I mean, he throughout you know, his time with the Penguins has tried to stay out of that kind of stuff. Like he, you know, personnel matters, coaching matters, things like that. I mean, if he's asked, he'll, you know, give his input, but he's not someone who uh, is out there trying to throw his weight around. He's very much like, I'm the player, I play, um, and I'm happy to give my insights. Is is Mike Sullivan of the same ilk, or do you think he's more involved in the process? I think Mike will be involved. I mean, it's it's a kind of a weird scenario. I mean, Fenway really likes him. Um, they said as much. Um, he's going to be part of the transition team. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was involved in the interview, interview process in some capacity. But, you know, Dave Beeston from FSG also said, you know, his fate is up to the next coach. I'm sure, um, you know, they're, they're going to want to hire a coach or a, mm-hmm. a GM who's in line here. So it'd be very surprising if they were to hire somebody and that person were to be like, all right, you're John Mike Sullivan. But it's kind of like a weird dynamic where they did stop short of saying that Mike Sullivan will definitely be back. But I hear I mean, you on that. It'd be surprising. It'd be very surprising. I hear you on that. All right. Give us some, like you talked about analytics. Give us some names who you have just have a, an early eye on, like the type of GMs and what kind of like, you know, pedigree that, 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 that these people bring. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the one everyone is talking about is Kyle Dubas. Um, he's the general manager for Toronto. Um, if there, there's buzz, I mean, a lot of pressure up there in Toronto that, if you know, they miss, uh, they don't make it out of the first round. He could be let go. Penguins also might have the ability to offer a promotion, which will allow them to get to, to Dubas as well. But he's the name that a lot of people are talking about. You know, he has an analytics background, but he's not solely analytics. And, um, you know, he also is, knows what it's like to, to deal with a lot of pressure, uh, pressure to win up there in Toronto, knows about building around an expensive core. So there's a lot of boxes that he would check. Um, Eric Tolsky is a, is a man who always comes up. He's a, you know, very much an analytics guy. He's with Carolina. Um, you know, he is uh, considered one of the top analytics people in the league, and they have a, a very good young team, a very analytically inclined team there in Carolina. Um, Matthew Darge from Tampa Bay is another name. And then Jason Bottle, I know we always have to throw out somebody who has Pittsburgh ties. Um, but I do think he's somebody who can make sense as, as, I won't call him a retread, but he was an executive here in Pittsburgh in the back-to-back he went to Buffalo, kind of got fired early um, because of the ownership up there, putting a lot of pressure on. And now you mm. see the foundation he built. I almost got Sabres into the playoffs this year, and they look like a team on the rise. I mean, he did a great job at the Paige Thompson trade. So he's in Seattle right now. He's another person who makes sense. I mean, of all the of all the people who have been here previously, you know, including former GM Ray Shero, 
Um, I think, you know, Bottrell is the one that actually makes sense. Okay. That's, that sounds interesting. Now, uh, you mentioned before them, them being interested in having women women to this to the to the Penguins front 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 office here. Are there any candidates that in the you know the, any woman candidates that stick out to you that you know we might be hearing their names soon at least you know being talked to? No one specifically comes to mind. Um, you see a lot of names thrown out there, and I think that kind of speaks to the fact that only just recently have we started to see women get. Uh, more elevated roles with teams. I mean, getting hired as scouts, getting hired as assistant GMs, and things like that. So I I do think they will look to, you know, bring in multiple women. I think for interviews because it seems like they're going to cast a pretty wide net. Um, I just couldn't pinpoint who those people are going to be because we don't see a ton of people elevated in those roles. But you know, I it, it'll be interesting to see, especially if they you know do kind of a multi-tiered front office like they did previously with the president of hockey ops and general manager. Um, they also need to hire assistant general manager. So I, I, I think definitely some women will be involved. It's just hard to pinpoint um, who that person will be right now. I, I understand that. I wanted to ask you, what what is going to be the biggest factor you think that plays into the, the style of GM that they're looking for? The, the, you know, the, the, I guess the theme of recreating this front office right now, what are they looking for to kind of, you know, build on, you know, with this core, but also set up the future of the Penguins and what will ever be the, what will be the next steps when, when this core does eventually break up? Well, one thing they said was forward thinking, and that's just, you know, embracing the evolutions of the game, the business of the game, things like that. Um, I think particularly in terms of, you know, analytics on the ice, but also the analytics of, of cap management and player value and things like that. I mean, we look at what happened with the previous regime and some of the contracts they handed out. Um, we're not good values. So I, I think that's part of it as well. They also said deliberate, which to me, uh, one of the things that stood out that kind of seemed like maybe a little bit of a, a reference to, to Ron Hextall there because he was the opposite. Uh, or, uh, did I get that? Did I get that wrong? Hextall was deliberate. Proactive, I mean. They want someone uh, okay. proactive. Sorry, I got, I got that you. mixed up. Hextall is deliberate. Um, so, I, <laughs> yeah, they definitely want someone who's proactive as well. So, um, yeah, and I, I think just like they, they, a big thing they talked about was building out their hockey. So they don't think it just falls on like one or two people. Like they feel like I know they want to build up their analytics presence, period, with their analytics staff and just use their resources at Fenway to, to build out that hockey operations department. Um, so it's more than just a couple of people. So I think they're looking for a collaborative effort. And, yeah, they're looking just to, you know, they, they want to be a, a premier hockey organization. And, uh, you know, they, they certainly have some good players here. And we'll see if they're able to find the right people. They need to be proactive, and we'll see. We'll certainly see. Matt Matt Vensel is going to be covering all of it for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Find his work at post-gazette.com. Thanks, Matt, for your time. Also, thank you to Ray Fittipato and Jason Mackey for talking Steelers and Pirates. We'll keep you updated on all things Pittsburgh sports right here in the North Shore Drive podcast. We're back Wednesday, keeping you up to date. We'll be we'll be about just a week away from the NFL draft. Then, with the, the questions are starting to slim down as far as what the Steelers' possibilities are. All that and more to cover right here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks again for checking us out back Wednesday with more right here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.
Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. 